James has been with us before. Um, James is the pastor of The Common, uh, which is a church plant in Willoughby, uh, just 20 minutes that way, and uh, has been with us before, but is here um, sort of officially as a, a staff member of City to City, who created um, uh, the Ripple Effect material, along with Julianne, who will be with us in May. So thanks for being with us, James, and sorry you're not feeling 100%, but glad you could make it. Amy is going to read for us um, from Colossians 4. Um, so reading from Colossians 4, verse 2 to 6. Um, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Good. Excellent. Uh, my name is James Duff, and I was prayed for this morning in your prayer room, which I've been in many times, actually, because I've known Luke, I think I've known Luke for nearly 10 years um, since I moved to Perth here from Geelong and uh, has been uh, a good friend and uh, I've done lots of different workshops and things here at Billabong and it's lovely to be here again uh, and be part uh, of the Ripple Effect training. But I was prayed for this morning and I was just thinking about that because I don't think I've been prayed for like that for a very long time. Uh, who I don't even know the names of those people, uh, and I'm not even going to make a big deal out of you particularly, but God's Spirit is really working through your prayers. And as a church, you should be really encouraged by that because without prayer, you're stuffed. <laughs> uh, but uh, thank you so much for praying for me this morning. I really needed it. Uh, as Luke has been saying, hopefully I'm not spitting on you and making you sick, but I have had a funny last of 48 hours. Uh, but nonetheless, I've got here, and it's good to be here. I was in Sydney with City to City, and that's one of the organisations that I work for. City to City are a church planting network, and also part of their role is to revitalise churches as well. So they do both those things. And I work as the Perth church planting catalyst here uh, in Perth two days a week. The rest of the time, I pastor a church as uh, as... Uh, was told before, called The Common, and we're a church plant that's been going for five years, and uh, we're nearly a real church now, so that's exciting. Uh, we've got rosters and everything now, it's amazing. Um, <coughs> oh, it's incredible. Yeah, I think that's when, it's you, when you're a real church, when you've got a roster team. Uh, anyway, uh, so it's lovely to be here. I'm married to Jane, and she's better than me, and she's a, uh, she works as a chaplain, and uh, she also does some writing and editing uh, as well, and uh, she's at home with uh, two of our sons. Uh, I've got a 20-year-old, believe it or not, I'm only 26, as you can tell, um, but uh, no, I've got a 20-year-old, his name's Will, and then we've got Angus, he's just turned 18, which I can't believe, uh, just on Wednesday or something he turned 18, and he's in Geelong this year doing a gap year uh, working for a church over there. A lot of my family are still there, so he's we thought that's a good thing to get away and, um, but I do miss him, love him. Um, and then we've got Hugh and he's 11 uh, and he's at home uh, today. So anyway, it's lovely to, to be with you and it just gives me great joy 
just to hear that news about the grant coming through, uh, we, I found that out on Thursday as well, and I was in Sydney with the City to City staff team. There's about 30-odd of us, uh, and we were doing our... Uh, we do two church... Uh, sorry, two staff conferences a year. And that news came through, and that was just so exciting. Where the main... The City to City is the, the, what's called the ambassador, the main ambassador for this, this group who gives money away. And so we... we one of my jobs is literally to give money away, and people are always a little bit suspicious about that. Fair enough. Um, but uh, it's not that easy. You think it would be. It's actually not that easy. Uh, but anyway, what a wonderful, great news that... Um, and I, I was almost crying when I saw uh, Cameron and Annalise come up. It was just so... Uh, it just makes my job awesome seeing what God's doing. Because church planting, if you've done any study on it at all, is the greatest way to reach people with the gospel. Just if you've done any study on it... It's just the best way. So if you're if you're about wanting to see Jesus be famous, you're on the right track in church planting. So anyway, that was just such great news, and that came through on Thursday. Um, and I think there were about eight churches across Australia who went for the grant. In every three months, there's a cycle that goes through, and only three churches got it, and you're one of them. And you're the first uniting church in Australia to get it. So there we are. Isn't that ex- isn't that awesome? So praise God. Uh, when, when, when I was a boy, I grew up in a uh, more than a nominal uh, Christian home. We, we would go to church fairly regularly to an Anglican church in Geelong uh, at a reasonably, what I'd term a high, middle to high church, and there was a lot of respect for the priest. He wouldn't wear... This, actually, we're wearing the same clothes today, Luke and I. I'm glad, I'm glad you got the, um, you know, um, um, they, they'd be wearing the collar and all the rest. That's what I grew up with. And then I went to a school where the chaplain walked around in a black cassock and, and, a, and a white dog collar. And I remember asking him, tell me about God. What is he, is he real? And he said, God's a mystery. That was all he told me. Uh, and so... That wasn't really satisfying, that answer. <laughs> and so when I was about, tw- oh, I might have been 19, I think, or 20, I s- went to a church that my mum and dad had started attending, and to me I thought it was a cult um, because it was um, a lot different to my experience early on as a Christian. As we went in, as I, I remember going into this church and this guy pulled up in a combi van, like a big diesel thing, and he got out and he sort of had crazy hair and uh, a guitar around his shoulders and walked past and said, g'day guys, and anyway, g'day, and then we sat down and at the start of the service, this guy got up and started playing the guitar, this guy in the combi van. And then he started talking and had a Bible reading and then he, he spoke and I'm going, this guy's amazing. I said, I'm really looking forward to seeing their priest. This guy's all, but this guy's fantastic. And then I said, mum, where's the priest? And he said, no, that, this is the guy. <laughs> I went, wow, so you can be a Christian and not sort of like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I don't want to say that, that there's anything wrong with being a, a minister more formally. But I was, it was just, it was just his life and the way that he lived that made me want to question him. I was intrigued by who he was. And so after the service, I just started asking him questions. And then I said, would you mind if I came around to your house and, start, and 
ask you more? And he said, yes, sure. So the next week I was around there asking him questions about the Christian faith. At this time I, I hadn't sort of made the, the link between God and Jesus and a whole lot of other things. And I just kept asking him questions and every week this would sort of happen. I'd go around and I'd just ask him questions. He was living what I would call a questionable life. He was so intriguing that I just wanted to talk to him. And I remember actually one time knocking on his door, going in, and I said, so I think I want to become a minister. This is me at 19 or 20. And he goes, and I said, what do I need to do? And he said, how about you start coming to church? And I said, all right, that's, that's what you do. Okay, I can start doing that. But I was drawn to this man. Um, his life was so questionable that I was intrigued that I had to ask him questions. And in today's reading, I don't know if you've got Bibles there to have a look at it. But in, is it on there? Oh, that's the excellent. It's there. Excellent. In today's reading, we see Paul addressing and encouraging a church that he didn't start, nor had he ever been to, but he's asking them to live questionable lives. Questionable lives. Uh, it's implicit there in verse 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. That is, live a life that's so grace-filled, gracious, Live a life um, that's seasoned with salt. Uh, salt brings, brings flavour. It also preserves. Do those things. Live like that, that people will want to ask you questions about your faith. And our job is we've got to be able to answer, why do we live the way we live? City to city put this ripple effect course together. Uh, and can I just encourage you, if you're not a part of one of those small groups, this, this is, this is going to be good for you. <laughs> this is going to be great for you. It's going to be great for the church. Uh, it's going to be, uh, it's an excellent course. And I'd love for you to be uh, part of that. Questionable lives. That's what I want to get to today. What does it mean to live questionable lives? Like Ross, my mate Ross Green, who's, uh, I came to faith under Ross. Uh, I love that man. Did you know, I even, I, I dreamt about him last night. Um, and uh, I think because I knew I was going to probably talk about him, I dreamt about him. He's got dementia, doesn't even know who I am anymore. <laughs> He's only 70. Um, but uh, wonderful man of the Lord Jesus, but lived uh, a questionable life. And that's always quite a, uh, a challenging question to ask, isn't it? Am I living a questionable life? Does my life look any different to my neighbour? Would there be any reason why they'd want to ask a question about me and how I live? Or are we just so like the world that there's no difference in our lives? Uh, in today's reading, I think we see a two-fold approach by Paul uh, when it comes to the ministry of evangelism. And you're going to get me the old left-handed James Duff's writing here, and I hope that you can read it. Uh, this is taken from a guy called Mike 
Frost. He's a Baptist pastor in Sydney. I actually don't think he's all that good, but this is good. Um, <clears throat> anyway, there we are. Uh, let me, I'll draw it like this. There's, there seems to be in here uh, types of, um, uh, what would I call it, M- uh, ministers. Gee, that's lovely, isn't it? Uh, types of ministers, and in, in that types of ministers, we see <clears throat> what, we, what, he, what I'll call here gifted, gifted evangelists. Now, put your hand up. Don't be shy. Don't be humble. Um, I want you to be proud and arrogant. No. Um, put your hand up. If you uh, have had anyone say to you, or you sort of think, actually, I probably think I am an evangelist. People sort of say, yeah, you're an evangelist type. Anyone here had that said to them or think that about themselves? One. Two. I'm taking that as a hand. No, you're just touching the camera. Okay. Um, that's about right. Are there? Yeah. Look, you usually, probably out of a group of this many, there might be about five. Most of us aren't. Gifted evangelists. And then you'd get in this, I think, what I would call um, evangelistic, evangelistic believers. which I think everyone in the church is called to be. So you get gifted evangelists. If you know your Bible in Ephesians 4, talks about that as a gifting, a particular gift as an evangelist. But I think in, the, uh, in our reading today, we get this idea of evangelistic believers. And I would say that there's a priority. There's some prior, priority, uh, I don't know, <clears throat> Something like that, is that right? Priorities, prior, uh, priorities. Yeah, yep. All right. <clears throat> I failed Greek at um, when I did my theological studies as well. But anyway, there we go. Um, priorities, priorities. There's some priorities here for both the gifted evangelist and the evangelistic believers. Uh, verse four. You see this. For the gifted evangelist. The gifted evangelist is that they may proclaim, can you see it there in verse 4? Proclaim the gospel, it clearly as I should. Paul sees himself not just as an apostle but as an evangelist. My job as a gifted evangelist is to proclaim it, to proclaim it with clarity. So verse 4, proclaim with clarity. Clarity. Doesn't matter if you can't see this. Take a photo of it later. Proclaim it with clarity. But also in verse 3, you see, what does it say there? And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. You hear that language, and if God would open a door, if God would open a door, that is that you need to be alert for what God's doing, looking for what God's doing, ready to. Walk through a door. Join in with what God's doing. So we need to also be, the gifted evangelist needs to be alert, ready to pounce. But the evangelistic believer, their priorities, we see it in verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer. 
And it's so encouraging to be prayed for this morning. If you're praying for people, uh, not only in your church, but who are far from God, and this course will take you through how to do that, some great things will happen. Praying for people who don't know Jesus. We can do that as a church. Your job is to be praying. That's part of evangelism. Big part. Also want you to be praying and to be watchful and thankful. And in verse 6 is really being wise in how you socialise as well. Wise socialising. Praying and being wise in how you socialise. Questionable lives. Then we can see here that there's also uh, types of spoken ministry. Types of spoken ministry. The gifted evangelist, verse 3 and 4, you'll see there, is to boldly proclaim. Gifted evangelist needs to know how to share the gospel. I've got tools, other things. You can teach people how to share the gospel in under two minutes, how to talk about Jesus, how to take conversations from nothing to spiritual conversations, how to give your testimony in under 15 seconds. There's a whole range of different things that you can learn. But the gifted evangelist is to be bold in their proclamation. The evangelistic believer, which is all of us, is this. Verse 6, gracious answers. Here's a challenge. Um, if you can't share your faith in why you're a Christian, that's, that's not good enough. You need to learn it. You're going to have a chance to learn it in the ripple effect. You need to learn this. It's about growing up as Christians. We all need to be able to give an answer for our faith. Paul says it here. Peter says it in 1 Peter 3. You need to be able to give an answer for your faith. Why do you believe what you believe? It's challenging. It's challenging. And so we need to have gracious Answers. So the twofold approach here gifted evangelist, they're to boldly proclaim the evangelistic believer, which is all of us. You need to be able to answer. Give answers for your faith. Are you living a questionable life? And can you give an answer for that? Challenging, really challenging. Now, more more writing. You ready? I think does that the Oh, whoops. All right. There's a thought leader, some of you probably know him, called Simon Sinek. Um, he, he's a, I think he, what are they called? TED Talks. He sort of became famous doing one of those and now he's written heaps of books. But he's famous, his first talk, TED Talk, was on a thing he called the Golden Circle. And the Golden Circle is, goes like this. He talks that organisations are 
when they're talking about themselves, most organisations start with, if you ask them what they do, they'll tell you what they do. That's what he says most organisations do. But great organisations talk about why they do it. Most organisations talk about what they do. Great organisations talk about why they do it. I've just taught you just very quickly, just with that as we walk through the text then, what to do. It's not really inspiring though. It's just another great bit of information and it's not going to change you. What will change you is why you would want to do it. Because that's the gospel. That's what it's really about. Why, why would we want to even be a church that has evangelistic believers? Why? Because Paul in this book has just hammered this church on why for the first three chapters. Why, 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 why? And then he says, this is what you've got to do. And later on this afternoon, we're going to look more at the what and the how to do evangelism, what it looks like. I'm going to teach you a little bit more here. But I just want to finish by looking at why. Why would we want to do this? Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And how about this? For you, Colossians 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So we are called to live, each one of us, questionable lives, but the truth is we can't. because our, our lives are questionable in a whole other range of ways. Because I don't know what state you're in when you've come here this morning, but we've all got stains. Our lives are questionable because they have blemishes, things we've done and things that we've said but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. The one who had no blemishes at all, the perfect lamb, God himself, came for you, the Billabong Church, each one of you this morning, 
I want to wake you up by the Spirit today. I want you to hear this because this is the truth. It's the most important thing that you'll ever hear. This is it. This is why you're here. God himself, perfect, holy, no blemish, comes and becomes blemish for you, becomes sin. So you can be presented in his sight as perfect and holy and righteous and loved. He did it for you. Because that's the gospel. He came for you. The one who had no blemish at all took your blemishes upon himself. So you are free and radiant in his sight. So the question is this. Why should the billabong be involved in evangelism? Why should it even think about living questionable lives? Because God has been an evangelist to you. He came for you when you were a rebel and hated him. He came for you anyway. Whether you've been grown up in the church or not, I don't care. He came for you because he loves you and knows you. He's totally gracious. And he's pulled you out of hell and placed you with him in the heavenlies. That's good news. And that's why you'll want to do evangelism. Because that's got to stir your heart. Because if it doesn't stir your heart, you've got to say, God, can you please help that stir my heart? Because I can give you all the tricks, you can do the studies, and it won't mean anything. It'll just be another six weeks of well, whatever, of small groups. But it won't change you. And so I want to lead us in a prayer. I want to lead us in a prayer that God will stir our hearts to have a heart for those who are far from him. Because Jesus says this, he said, the field is white for harvest, but the labourers are few. And we don't believe it. We don't believe that the field's white for harvest, but it really is. And we want to be counted in the few. The narrow path, the narrow way. Not the broad way of the world, that's easy. We're going to live a rebellious life, be a Christian and follow Jesus. The narrow way. I pray now that the Holy Spirit would come fill us and renew you for this, this next little bit, this season of the Billabong. This is going to be this is a big season in your life. You're planning a church and you're doing evangelism. You're going to get smacked by Satan. A whole range of things can happen. He's stirring it up. Your leader is stepping out and doing something way out of his comfort zone. You need to be praying for him and his family. Cameron and Annalise, pray, 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 pray. Pray for each other. Things are going to start to annoy you. A whole range of things could happen here. But Jesus wins. He wins. Always wins. He's coming back. We want to be counted uh, with him. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, you're good. Uh, You've called each of us by name. And I pray now for Billabong that you would fill each person here. Now, just with your Holy Spirit, would you come now? Come and fill us again. Remind us of the good news.
Remind us of how glorious and perfect and loving that you are. Our Lord, I thank you for the leadership of this church. I thank you for, from the youngest to the oldest member. I thank you that you are jealous for this place and for these people. Lord Jesus, would you stir, Lord, even if it's your Holy Spirit just stirring one person today to go, gee, I don't live a questionable life, what does that look like? Would that, would you stir that into their heart today? And Lord, most of all, I pray that they will know why, why they're being called into this season. They're being called because you're a missionary God. You're looking for the lost sheep. May this be a church who looks for those who are far from you and brings them back into your fold by your Holy Spirit. So stir that in each one of our hearts. And we thank you, Jesus. We love you. We commit our lives to you in your name. Amen.